Hello, fellow adults. Welcome to This is Adulting, a podcast about being an adult with your host, Jack. And Danny. On today's episode, we will be discussing the upcoming election and all the politics that come with it. And we have a guest today, right, Danny? Yeah, my friend Dan St. Pierre. We went to junior high together, so welcome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> We're welcome. very excited because I know You're nothing about politics. Definitely so. the smartest person in this room by 10. I don't know about that, but I know a little bit about politics, so we'll, we'll see what kind of trouble we can get into. This is Adulting is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Nice. Getting better at that. <laughs> this uh, episode is coming out on Sunday, so it'll be the day before the election. Yes. So hopefully you listen to it on Sunday or on Monday, and this will mean something to you, and you go and vote on Monday... October 21st. 21st. That's right. Yeah. Yes. In Canada. I mean, I don't know how yeah. many listeners we have worldwide, but <laughs> this is a Canadian election. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, I haven't voted. Danny, you voted already, right? I voted already. Dan, you voted already. I voted already. I have not. And, I mean, I'm always one to put it off until, like, the last day. And, yeah, so I'll, I have Mondays off. So I will vote on Monday. Oh, that's good. Because it's just, like, right over there. Yeah. So it's nice and close. Um, well, and yeah. typically, so typically this is big now because they're getting such big voter turnout numbers. And in fact, early voting, which ended yesterday, um, typically early voting happens the week before the general election. Um, and we set a record this election at 4.7 million people. Wow. I think that's the early number from Elections Canada. 4.7 million people voted early. That's crazy. What, what was like last year's number? Do you know? Uh, I don't, number? I don't know. I don't remember what the number was off the top of my head in the last election. And, and I, I do recall it was high yeah. for the last election as yeah, well. Yeah. In yeah, Harper and Trudeau was a big one too. And even provincially, the provincial elections in 2015 and in 2019, these early turnout numbers are bumping up and it's because they're making it, uh, more convenient. They're expanding yeah. the number of days you can do it. Um, and it provides people options, weekdays, weekends, yeah. you can get to it when you get to yeah, it. Yeah, it's incredible that they had it on Thanksgiving weekend, mm-hmm. again, here in Canada, for our international listeners. Yeah. It was Thanksgiving this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> My one friend in Australia is like, okay, great, like, keep it moving. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about something else. Well, and that's, and the reason why, like, um, we have Dan here is because, well, I know nothing about, like, I have no idea who I'm going to vote for, like. And I think some of the things that we talked about before we started the podcast was just like the the effect of social media on how the election goes and like all the propaganda that comes from social media. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff to sort through. Yeah. And, you know, even back in the day before social media and the internet, you know, there was, there's a process. It's often referred to as a game, right? But I mean, it, an election is a marketing exercise. Absolutely. The product is the politicians, the political parties, the positions and ideas that they have. But certainly over the last decade, um, you know, as social media and technology has made it easier for people, often anonymously, to say more or less whatever they want about anything mm-hmm. that they want, um, it's kind of changed the table stakes in how... Uh, politicians communicate with constituents and voters and how voters interact with each other on issues. Um, so it's it's perhaps become – it's one of these things that's become – in terms of trying to understand it, it's become even more convoluted and confusing mm-hmm. and complex. I would say even the share button alone, right? Because it's 
I don't even have to give my opinion. All I have to do is press share. Mm -hmm. And I actually, um, a few weeks ago, shared something that was on Alberta government. And it was something about like, oh, the Tories, after they made a vote against GSAs or something. And yeah, there, there ended up being quite a debate on the not about the necessarily the issue, but like what that picture actually was. This was a picture of them like jumping this pool, mm-hmm. and and it was about was it filibuster or something that had gone on? And- it was yeah. So filibustering and filibustering for folks that don't know is basically you go into the house and you talk and you talk and you talk and you talk so that a vote cannot be called. Mm. So it's a delay tactic. Right. And there had there had been a number of filibusters from the opposition in the in the last legislative session. And so it was the end of session. It was the end of a very long 48 hours of voting in the house. And so the government caucus to celebrate the end of session um, just took a goofy photo mm-hmm. jumping in the fountain. Um, well, and, I think I read, sorry to cut you off, but yeah. I think I even read because it was the new, it's kind of, because they're newer in office and it was kind of like get your, they were getting their feet wet in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, so I kind of was like, darn. I mean, the the thing still happened. That wasn't great. Mm-hmm. But to just share it without without giving any context or whatever. Yeah, that was bad on, on me. And I apologize. It's like, can we just all be friends? <laughs> <laughs> it happens. So, it, it st- I mean, media too now writes um, what's left of media, what remains of media, um, and I mean traditional media, right? They write headlines and things to grab attention too. So the 12 words to introduce you to an article can be quite um, incendiary, inflammatory. The picture can be completely yeah. misrepresented. Right. Um, it becomes clickbait. And <laughs> the I was in- going to say that because I mean that term is. Used- I used to do YouTube videos for anyone who didn't know, but people are always like, make sure you get the your thumbnail to be something very like, and the, the term clickbait comes in when people are like, oh, look at this picture, and it's completely not what you expect, but it mm-hmm. gets that attention, gets you to click on it, and next thing you know, you're hooked. Right. Well, that's the thing now, right? So for traditional media, um, like an Instagram influencer or a YouTuber, right? Your views, your subscribers, your follower accounts, yep. that's how you start to generate revenue. It's, you know, ad buys and things. If you have 10 million views in, you know, 24 hours on something, you're probably going to be able to make the case that you can charge more for mm-hmm. advertising mm-hmm. and different things and, and you generate more revenue that way. But it's... Um, you know, it, it, it can be a struggle actually sifting through. It's just I'll say this too. I've I've been in politics, I've been interested in politics for a long time. Since we were in junior yes. high, I was uh into politics. But um, you know, I have an undergrad in uh political science from McEwen and I have a master's degree in communications from oh, the University whoa. of Alberta. Um and perfect person to have here. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, uh not that you know, I, I'm I know everything. I certainly don't, but um you know, worked with different political parties, um, have had a number of mentors and friends who got elected and got to work with them and for them. Um, and it starts to kind of shape your view too. So you also get a different view of it working inside it than you have sort of outside looking in. But it's, for me even, it's overwhelming to see the volume of stuff mm-hmm. that is generated and comes sort of sailing down my, my Facebook wall or my Twitter feed. Um, and often it's pretty negative stuff. Right. It's generally really angry hot takes, um, which, again, that's not a new thing, right? You get great yeah. service. Awesome. You go home, you know, enjoy the thing you just bought. You get 
shitty service, you're pretty liable yeah. to, you know, speak out, find a manager, yeah. whatever. So that principle carries. So the negative stuff is the stuff that gets good traction. It creates controversy and drama and you get people clicking and commenting. And that's how you, you know, some of the stuff that's completely mm-hmm. wild gets a, a life of its own. Sometimes I think like how... How do people even want to become the leader of something? I mean, I understand, but but it is so negative, and I feel like it it bec- it can become so personal. Of like, here are these things that you did. I mean, what's going on with Justin Trudeau and and his past history of yeah, it's all costumes up- upbringing, like- it, right? And so so it just must be so, you know you're gonna get <laughs> shit kicked essentially by at least one group. Oh yeah, right? there's and- always gonna be somebody. There's always gonna be somebody that's gunning for you mm-hmm. right right no matter like how good of a person like or how positive of a person you are or what your goal is in a place full of like with like a billion people you're not going to be able to please everybody right so those, there's going to be those haters that are coming after you always yeah. and and in canada too there's there's more than two parties it's it's a much more what what i call stratified in terms of there's a lot more demographics different types mm-hmm. and groups of people um and there's several parties as opposed to two parties like in yeah. the states but you know generally speaking you know 35 to 40 percent of the vote can see a party form government mm-hmm. so oftentimes it's not you know half the people disagree with you it's oftentimes more than half the right. people disagree with yeah. you but you're the the guy or gal or non-binary individual in charge um but yeah and it's gotten worse it's gotten much worse um and you see also you'll see it too in terms of the lifespan of a leader in office now Mm -hmm. so even 20 years ago when we were growing up Mm -hmm. you know brian Mulroney was a prime minister for two terms and nine years um pierre trudeau the current guy's dad was prime minister for um, 17 years, I think. No way. With I didn't even realize a that. A small break there in the middle around 1979, 1980. But yeah, he was in power for, I think, 17 years. Um, Stephen Harper, 10 years. Yeah. John Cretchen, yeah. 10 years. Yeah. And now, and I mean, the progressive conservatives going provincial for a second in Alberta, as we know, yeah. 44 years yeah. in power, the four year interlude from oh, the yeah. NDP, and now we're back to a conservative government. Um, but um, even there, the 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 amount of time that a leader lasts in office is it's significantly um, dwindling. Yeah, yeah, it's reduced significantly, and it's just it's the stuff you just with social media and every citizen having a you know a recording studio, right. a camera, social yeah. media access, whatever in the palm of their hand. Um, it it would be impossible not to dig something up. Yeah. Right. Right. Which is not to say like some of it's pretty legit. Right. I feel like the the Prime Minister of Canada dressed up in an ethnic costume yeah. and decided to paint his face. Yeah. That is a pretty um in any time that's a pretty yeah. kind of crazy thing yeah. to think about. Um I also think there's and this is not a defense of what he did, however, it is fair to say the way that some of these things were viewed, the yeah. way that certain jokes were viewed, mm-hmm. um, the way that mainstream society treated women, it was the thinking on it was different and it was more acceptable to be kind of shitty, mm-hmm. you know, 20, 30 years oh, ago. Yeah, absolutely. So our thinking's also changed as a society. So 
Times have changed. The way we think about issues has changed. How we're influenced and inundated with information from the internet and social media yep. has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty easy to take a smash on oh, anybody now. Absolutely. You can take one small thing from the past and make a, a huge deal nowadays. Mm-hmm. Totally. Right? Especially with how sensitive everybody is nowadays. Totally. Right? And the danger with that, from my perspective, the danger with that is, um, and this leads to other implications don't at me but um (laughs) the the implication of that is um there are really real and nasty instances Mm -hmm. of um there's clear-cut things clear-cut instances of abuse or racism or bigotry this thing we're doing now the cancel culture thing Mm -hmm. where it's where we call out everything yeah yeah it, it starts to actually i think undermine the seriousness of really offensive real like really nasty stuff um the the flip side of that is okay who gets to decide what's really nasty and what's not right Mm -hmm. you know something that seems small to you and me could be huge to the person that's been impacted by it so i recognize all of that too but Mm -hmm. you know the hypersensitivity has created some challenges also because really real instances of abuse and shitty behavior they kind of squeak through sometimes right because everybody's distracted by, you know, insert latest cause, right? right? The Joker is a really violent movie, so we're all going to try and get it taken out of theaters. Yeah. That's our thing now. Ooh. And, but then that dwindles, and then next week we're fighting about e-scooters in the city of Edmonton, <laughs> and then the week after that. So, it, I mean, it's just yeah. rapid. Then Greta will be here, and everyone will be and in a Greta. tizzy. Greta's going to ride a scooter, and she's going to bail. <laughs> she's going to sue the city stuff. of Edmonton. Gonna... <laughs> Wouldn't <Greta>. that be? <laughs> Poor Greta. Yeah. No, the, the, it is, it, what you were just saying, like, I think that, that even the words, like, sense, people are so sensitive. I think, yeah, yeah it kind of takes away from some people have real... Uh, either issues or have been wronged or and so exactly what you're saying it can be so like blown off like well are you just kind of overblowing it and it's like well no these things are important but mm-hmm. yes that's politics man. That <laughs> it can be it's yeah. what it seems to be more and more <clears throat> yeah i think um i was gonna say the other thing that's changed um even just like for myself my age right and understand being a part of the decisions that are being made whereas you know at 18 19 20 i'm like yeah sure this helps my dad this helps my mom mm. and then now i'm like wait i pay taxes now like mm-hmm. i have a kid you know who has um tax benefits for kids sports programs or whatever right mm-hmm. and so actually understanding how it fits into my life and being like okay how do i value this over this over this and and that's really tricky but i'm happy we have so many different parties because it's not it's not completely black or white but it does make it a little bit tricky when it's like how can i just get a little bit from here and a little bit from here and how do you how do you pick one mm-hmm. well and it, so our system is our system is interesting so sitting next to the united states as canada does we're kind of inundated with their politics and their system and how that works and our system's a lot different our system is um a descendant of the Westminster parliamentary system in the United Kingdom. So we have um, a House of Commons with 338 seats. And those 338 seats are occupied by the people that we elect to Mm. represent us from our individual constituencies. So there's 338 constituencies across Canada. Um, And unlike the states where 
you elect or you vote directly for the president as a candidate, and then you vote for your senator and your congressperson, and et cetera. Um, in Canada, we vote for one. We vote for the local candidate. Um, and that candidate takes their seat in parliament, depending on what party they're on or what party they're in. Um, you know, that helps boost the count for uh, a leader who's trying to become prime minister. The prime minister is the head of our government and is effectively the head of what's called the executive branch, but sits in the legislature. That's based on, you know, where we sit geographically. That seems like a unique thing because I think probably even most Canadians understand American politics, yeah. the president, mm -hmm. how that works um, a little better than Canadian politics. But, um, you know, that the party with the most seats at the end of the day, right. at the end of the election, is the party that forms the government. Mm -hmm. And the leader of that party, who has to also be elected to the House, becomes the prime minister. So it's, it's um, different than the American system in that we don't get to necessarily pick directly as voters who we want to be the leader of the country. Mm -hmm. um, you can pick by joining political parties yeah and as a member of a political party you have some say in voting for who the leader should be um but it's very indirect in that regard so what happens in canada is we get to election season and it's often four or five people get all the airtime and those are the four or five leaders of the more serious yeah. parties the parties with the chance to maybe form government um and so we end up going to a voting booth and crossing you know an x next to whoever's a name that's yeah. associated with a party with the person that right. we heard of um and i think it's just as just as important for people to consider also who the local candidate is mm -hmm. absolutely so who's the person that you're voting for in addition to what's the party um that you want to vote for right. offering and how does the leader conduct themselves there's a bunch of considerations yeah. and then additionally i find even adding in the no, not that I don't want to call it a wasted vote, but the split vote, right? So even in the provincial election, it was kind of like, well, if you don't want it to be the conservatives, how, you know, like some people were going liberal, some people were going um, NDP. And, and so then suddenly it's like, wait, should we all try to like put our votes on one so that it's not like, and I think that that also adds to the like, what's, do I pick what I want? Do I pick what I think will actually make a difference? Yeah, it gets very complicated you know it's funny we should have had dan here on our first political teaching us stuff, teaching us stuff because yeah. he broke down basically exactly how our what our runs, and it makes way more sense yeah. than if i would have read it out of a book because <laughs> i'm not book smart at all but like just listening to you like describe how our government works it just makes way more sense jack's gonna be running for office i think in four <laughs> uh, years probably up, not <laughs> definitely not because i in don't want to be slandered i have hey, too much baggage in four years you'll be old enough to be the prime minister <laughs> wow that's a <laughs> no big deal it was my birthday a couple yeah, days yeah, ago happy birthday <laughs> happy now birthday now taking shots at me <laughs> but oh, oh wait no i had a question though has there ever been a prime minister who did not win their riding oh yeah Oh, there's been premiers, prime ministers. I knew absolutely. premiers, but I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know well, prime ministers. Uh, so let me back up. Um, premiers have, uh, or leaders of parties, their parties have gone on to win governments. Yes, but the leader themselves did not win their seat. Yes, Don Getty in the 1980s here in Alberta is an example. Okay. He 
was the leader of the party that won a majority government, but he lost his seat. So he then had to run in a by-election, ah. which means somebody steps aside um, from and, – and you typically in a safe riding, a riding right. you know you will win. Um, but somebody in the party steps aside so that the leader can take their seat. Um, and it's a tough go. That happened to Christy Clark actually too um, in her first run for premier. Um, she ran in her uh, in her area in Vancouver. She lived in Vancouver and she lost her riding. Uh, and so ended up running in West Okanagan mm. and won a safe seat there and then formed her government. Um, so prime minister, um, no, I can't think of a modern mm. example of a uh, leader of a party that formed a government that lost their seat. They'd have to have, they'd probably be picking their leader from a fairly safe riding as well. De- uh, depends. I mean... What the definition of a safe riding is can yeah. change pretty quick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's generally some safe yeah. places. It's because uh, it, what is it? Elizabeth May? Mm-hmm. Doesn't she have like the one and only? Does she have the one and only She's, green seat? The, well, so going into the election, another nuance of our system. So she was the first, uh, I believe, the first Green Party um, member elected in a general okay. in a general election. And then um, over the last sort of several months in the run-up to the election, one or two other independent members of parliament mm. made the decision to, quote-unquote, cross the floor, right. right, and join the Green Party. Nice. Um, whether they'll hold on to their seats or not in the election is a different story. But, right. Um, so I think there was three in her caucus, two or three in her caucus when um, the writ dropped. The writ being the um, the common term now, but the writ of election – when the writ drops, it means that the campaign period has begun. Right. So okay. government business ceases, and we're now in the writ period. Right. Makes sense. This has been the smartest <laughs> half of a podcast we've ever done. <laughs> it really has. <laughs> um, but, I mean, like, it is, like, and, I mean, I'm lost <clears throat> when it comes to who I'm going to be voting for. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have no, really no idea. Um, but, I mean... We, we do have a quiz that we're probably going to be uh, – that I'm going to do. Parts of it, yeah. Parts of it, but I'm going to do it on my own to kind of help me make my decision about who I should be voting for. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, we're probably – We'll do some ads. We'll do some ads, get our ads done, and then we'll come back. We'll do this quiz, and then we'll help Dan's going to throw some questions at me, but um, and then we'll have Dan maybe help me out if I have some trouble <laughs> kind of thing and go from there. So, yeah, enjoy these ads. It's easy to save for your dreams with ATB Prosper. Set your goal, invest $100, and watch it grow. It's that simple, and it's all online. ATBProsper.com. Check it out. If you're an Albertan, chances are you love our forests. With more than 60% of the province covered in them, they're where we play, explore, and work. Over 40,000 Albertans are employed because of our sustainable forestry industry. And before a single tree is harvested, we plan 200 years ahead to ensure healthy forests for years to come. Why? Because you nurture what you love. Learn more at loveabforests.ca. And we are back from our ads. <laughs> I have one mini ad that is not part of Alberta Podcast Network, but I have a, I, it's just, it's something special to me. Okay. So a friend of mine started a beauty studio. It's called Bee Beauty Studio and it's in Shared Park. And she did three things to me today and I want you to figure out what she did. Oh my God. Okay, I'll put my face over here. <laughs> what is different about me? 
Oh dear. Uh I only know because I saw the Instagram post. Don't. Oh no! Don't <laughs> like, give me like, I, I brought Dan here to help me out. <laughs> um, lashes. What about them? They're yeah, I'll longer. give you a point. Yeah, they. I got a lash lift and tint, lift. so like they're more rounded now. Okay. Yep, or higher, I guess. Um, did she do something with your your skin on your face? No. Nope. No. What a general guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll give this 10 more seconds because this is not great podcast no, material. No. Um, yeah, I really don't. Got she she filled in my eyebrows. We did okay. a henna eyebrow and she did teeth whitening. Okay. I was going to say something about your teeth too, but I wasn't sure. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so everyone should go check out uh, B Beauty Studio because my friend Alex is the best and I love her. So that's my shout out to her. <laughs> All right. Back to um, politics. Back to politics. All right, we're going to um, we're going to do this quiz. I mean, I'm going to do this quiz later on. It's going to help me kind of um, strategically vote because um, I <laughs> don't really know what it I is I'm it. supposed to be doing. What a good segue. Yeah. We would like to talk about strategic voting. Well, no, I so Danny made was making a point about it earlier, and I'm so I'm glad you used the word that teed me up nicely. Yes. Um, but so you'll hear. People say stuff like, you know, strategic voting or vote your values mm-hmm. or um, and what does all that mean? And so strategic voting is the idea of maybe the person you want to vote for doesn't necessarily have a shot in your community. So if you're trying to stop somebody from becoming elected or becoming the government, then vote for a party that you wouldn't necessarily vote for, but mm, yeah, they're yeah. better than the alternative. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the strategic voting thing. Um sure that can be effective sometimes my general point of view is vote vote your values yeah so if there's things you believe in figure out who uh best represents the points of view that you want represented Mm -hmm. and if for no other reason than to just keep life simple right vote for the person that you believe will do the best job for you right regardless of regardless of any other considerations yeah so that just consists of doing your research and just seeing what this person wants out of like the election and stuff like that. Like Absolutely. What, 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 when they get, if they get in the power, what can they do to help you and your mm-hmm. values? Basically, right? Absolutely. There's um, there was a like election, um, figure out who, what party you fall under, um, and it was pretty general, and it's kind of this grid and and at the end of it it shows you like here's where you land on a grid and then here's where the parties land and i found myself and pretty much my entire family we we ended up in this like corner where we kind of had all like i think mine was like 66 66 66 percent for like the top three parties and i was like well that's really crappy like that's a (laughs) lot in each like category um and so this this um, political party quiz, um, somebody had posted it and it's called I side with, um, and it's really, it breaks down the issues. And I found that my, um, one of the parties that was part of the 66, when I break down the actual issues, they ended up being last on this breakdown. And, and one was like 91 because it was, it's the actual stuff. Like I'm, I'm saying like, yes, I want immigration or Mm. no, I want blah, blah, blah. Whatever. So, so I think if we pull a few of these, it'll be interesting to get um, your take on yeah. some of these, and okay. if you've even thought about some of these. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so this is this quiz. Uh, it's called I Side With, and I'm just trying to see where it's... Is that isidewith.com or .ca? It's canada.isidewith.com. Okay. Oops. All right. So, um, I'm going to give you the... F- I'm going to give you an easy one to start. Okay. Um, so is it a matter of my own opinion anyways? So shouldn't they all be easy? Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, all that's, right. Uh, that's not true. Okay. So they all have their yes or no answers, general responses. So okay. I'm going to give you all of the options because I find that that kind of throws in a wrench. It's like, do you think that the voter age should be changed? Yes or no. And then it's like, no, yes, blah, blah, blah. Okay. okay. So should the minimum voting age be lowered? So your options are yes, no, yes, any citizen that pays taxes should be allowed to vote, no, it should be raised, no, and voters should be required to pass a basic test demonstrating their understanding of politics in order to vote. Uh, um, it adds a lot of, like, it adds, yeah, it adds so many more, options. More, more things to think about. Um, I like that it doesn't give an age for raised. Like, yeah, it should be raised to 60. Like, <laughs> like just, You know, if, I mean, if we can't even have people over the age of 60, um, retake their driver's test because they can't, some people can't drive properly. <laughs> I think the, <laughs> I'm sure that has nothing to do with anything that I just with voting and stuff, but I think the, the minimum age, is it, did it say the minimum age should be a legal age? Is it 18? It's a, should, just should it be lowered from 18? Oh, should it be lowered from 18 to like, no. Is it 19 in the promises that are 19? In, Voting age is 18. 18 everywhere? 18 okay, everywhere? it's not drinking age? <laughs> it's not <laughs> drinking age. <laughs> Sorry, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> um, in my opinion, I think it should just stay the same. Okay. I think uh, le- the legal age to vote should be just 18. Okay. So there's a pile of schools of thought on this. Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, if you earn a wage and you pay tax or you can con- or contribute in some way, you should be able to vote. So that means a 14-year-old, in theory, could potentially vote. They have a job. Um, And I've made the argument in the past, well, I bet you there's a lot of 15, 16, and 17-year-olds in social studies who understand the issues an awful lot better than a bunch of 45, 55, 65-year-old people. But, and that's a fair point, but there's studies that actually (laughs) demonstrate the susceptibility. Yes, I was going to say the influences. The influences and the susceptibility of a forming brain at mm. 14, 15, yeah, yeah. 16 oh. years old to suggestion and manipulation. So like your brain's yeah. not even done until 30. Yeah, they oh. say. Um, I have a. I, oh, do you. Okay, I'm just going to say her name because I don't know if she listens to this podcast. I really doubt it. Do you remember Miss Arnold in junior high? Oh, yes. She's who I think of as somebody who was so, so. Oh, sorry. I'm hitting the table. <laughs> I almost never do that, but I was trying to show my point. She, she was so left-leaning, and I remember how she would talk about the sun as, like, this newspaper is only good to wrap fish in. And, like, I just – because I have a father who owned a company, um, I just remember it just being so, like, different than what mm-hmm. I heard at home. And, and so, yeah, it really – it does make a difference who yeah. your influences are. Well, if you can imagine, like – people the age of 14 to 18 on social media all the time and just being like right. affected by what social media puts out that could have some sway and some basically like sure. some voting uh, some of the voting 
selection, right? So. I, I would add there's a 72-year-old man on Twitter every single day who lives in the White House right now. <laughs> so they're new. But the point being is there's nuanced arguments there, right? Yeah. So right. You, you make a very valid point about influence. Yeah. On the flip side, there's a lot of adults That's who true. are being influenced as well. I could probably go to the local high school right now, and they probably know more about politics than I do. They'd be like, why are you here, <laughs> sir? <laughs> I would get another hit to my age. All right, next question. Okay. Um, I'm just going to ask this one because, and I won't give you all the options, but should a politician who has been formally convicted of a crime be allowed to run for office? Uh, I like, actually, I'm going to give you one of the other options. So it's yes, no. The first one is yes, as long as they have finished serving their sentence. I love that as an option. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Please finish serving your sentence. <laughs> can, I would imagine that party so just be like really f- hurting for candidates. Yeah, like a, a felony or like a uh, what was the what was the question? Convicted of a crime. Convicted of a crime. It does have one of the answers is like yes, as long as it was not a felony, violent, financial, or sexual crime. Uh, that's tough. I mean, if it's in the past and it was just like the thing is. The way I believe people can change, mm-hmm. but then, mm. so there's there are like yes, as long as they finish their sentence, yes, as long as the crime was not committed while in office, and then yes, as long as it's not one of the big. I would be that. I would probably choose that last one. The big, uh, yeah. like not a felony, violent, financial yeah, okay. like anything that like isn't that stuff. But the good thing is like if you if you have a lot of experience life like that and then make mistakes like everyone makes mistakes Mm -hmm. and then if they're able to come back from it and better themselves i think that's always a good thing for people to empower to do right well and here's the so here's the pro-democracy argument right in theory we talk about debts to society you commit a crime you pay your debt to society and they let you out if you've served your sentence Mm -hmm. um why not put it to the voters right you went to jail you're running an election in this day and age, we certainly know it's going to come out. Put it to the voters. Do they still want to vote for you knowing that you've been convicted yeah, of a yeah. crime? Yeah. If they do, right. I mean, that settles it right. to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's nuance to that, right? Are they violent crimes? There's there's right. a pile loaded in there, but just playing devil's advocate. Of course. Yeah. Um, this one, can you give us a Cole's notes on um, – so currently we do like a first past the post. Is that different than – uh, proportional representation voting? Yes. Okay. And so this this question says, should Canada switch to that? Which I believe Trudeau had said in 2015 that would be one of the things that he would change. It did not change. Correct. But to me, I'm like, I don't know what that is. I know pers- first past the post. First past the post is to get this certain amount of seats. Well, so first past the post is basically the candidate with the most votes wins. Right. So um, if you have municipal politics is an interesting place to watch that play out. So the person with the most votes wins. Well, if you have 17 candidates running and in, in city elections for council, um, I've been in council elections where 11 other people were running. Um, So, you know, you could have a hundred thousand eligible voters. Turnout is already 40%. Right. So, you know, a small portion, a fraction of who could vote do vote. But then you got 11 candidates splitting out the vote. Right. There, there's a lot of scenarios where I've seen people in community or in ridings with 100,000 or 80,000 eligible voters. 
who, you know, become the city councilor, the elected official with 6,200 votes. Wow. Like just a fraction. But they're the candidate who got the most votes in the election. Mm-hmm. So first past the post is just that. It's the first – it's the person who gets the most votes. Mm-hmm. Proportional representation uh, frames things a little differently. Proportional representation uses balloting and it it um, allocates seats um, based on preferences and percentages. Mm. So you get a proportion of seats that is equivalent to your proportion of the vote. Okay. Right? So um, you end up with first past the post, you tend to end up with more majority governments, Mm -hmm. which tend to be more stable. And this is an argument for first past the post. Proportional representation, proportional voting, um, you end up usually with nobody hitting that majority mark. And you end up with more coalition governments, Mm -hmm. which can be a good thing, too, because it can force two or three parties to have to work together and reach some sort of consensus. Yeah. Which – and just because I just brought up coalition governments, everybody, there's a lot of brouhaha in the news right now about (laughs) the NDP and the liberals maybe forming a coalition. Yeah, yeah. And the conservative party suggesting that this is a coup or not democratic. Really? The constitution of our country – the parliament, the Westminster parliamentary system allows for coalition governments. And so in a minority parliament where the governing party has, has the most seats, but not the so majority much, yeah. of the seats. If the two opposition parties get together and say, Hey, we think we can do this better. Yeah. They have yeah. more seats. Right. Than right. Okay. In fact, that coalition is probably more representative right. of a broader group of people mm. who voted. Um, it's not, undemocratic it's not a coup it's not treason Mm -hmm. that's rhetoric that's nonsense it's something that's very much a thing in our in our system and it makes sense yeah yep yeah i think it makes sense anyway very nice um i was gonna ask another question but i forget it already so let's just move on (laughs) oh i know i I was just gonna say i was just gonna say the first past the post by the time our polls are closed we already like know who wins the election based on ontario we have in the past. In the past, for in sure. In the past, yeah. Um, okay, this is a science issue. I don't know much about this. Do you support the use of nuclear energy? What do what, I don't? When I was answering this, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know anything about nuclear energy. I don't as well. <laughs> do you know anything about this? So, nuclear energy. That's nu- where nuclear, work. yeah, nuclear energy. So I'll put it this way. It would be very it will be very difficult for the world and for Canada, the United States, the, the Western industrialized nations, it will be very difficult for any of us to hit the emissions targets on CO2 we keep talking about mm. um, without looking at how we integrate nuclear power mm. into the mix. Um, obviously with the mini series that came out this year about mm, Chernobyl, right. Chernobyl kind of comes top of mind. Um, that was a catastrophic tragedy. Um, but it's also an example of no standards, right. no money doing something improperly. Mm. Um, there's a lot of functional, very safe nuclear reactors in the United States in Europe, etc. Um, it creates a different kind of pollution, mm-hmm. right? You get, you end up with nuclear waste in that scenario. Um, but in terms of stop gaps to try and prevent further, uh, global warming to cut our emissions, 
you would be hard pressed to do that now without looking at nuclear power in some right. capacity. Hmm. Well, I mean, such a good definition. I'm so yeah. happy you're here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was Otherwise, like, we'd I be don't asking know. these questions like, yeah, <laughs> nuclear. Yeah, that Google is bad. No, that's that's yeah, yeah. I know what a nucleus is. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> keep going. <laughs> Okay, well, then we do you want to uh, answer that at all? Not really. Okay, okay, let's skip it. <laughs> I have to do more research on it. Okay. Um, oh, they have the legalization of marijuana on here, but I'm just going to skip over that one. We legalized it. Move on. Right. Yeah, that's it. Should we take it back? I couldn't imagine. Okay. No. Should cities, this is healthcare issues now, should cities open drug safe havens where people who are addicted to illegal drugs can use them under the supervision of medical professionals. Oh, that's such a weird like concept of an idea. Give these people what they they're addicted to, but in a safe and like under supervision. But I don't think they're giving them the drugs. No. Like, so then what? So it's like a, just a, so if something happened and I could be wrong, they don't give them the drugs. So, what a safe injection site does is it supervises medical professionals there, but also um, provides them with clean syringes and things. Right. Um, a lot of disease is transmitted in, in communities of people who are addicted mm -hmm. to narcotics. It's transmitted through sharing of needles and right. things like that. So the idea of a safe injection site, and you would have to subscribe to the science behind addictions um, rather than the – um, I think decidedly unscientific perceptions or assertions that addicted people are weak or right, yeah. right. Yeah, but yeah. if you subscribe to the science, I would suggest, and um. and there's lots of studies that will demonstrate clean injection sites, safe injection sites have actually had a marked positive impact. Well, I mean, like, um, and but, this is this is a, and I again, I don't know anything about. Well, I don't know like what they do there, but. If it's anything like any other kind of addiction that basically you can't just stop someone cold turkey because of of any kind of addiction because, I mean, the, the withdrawal and stuff like that. But if you ease them out of it. So my mindset, like my idea of a clean injection site is basically, I don't know if they're still giving them the drugs that, or, or that they're addicted to, but doing it on a lower scale. It, it's not about necessarily <clears throat> going, it's not like a rehab situation okay. it's more of a if you're going to do it do it safe is right. my understanding um okay. and so and if something happens here is somebody who can administer narcan okay. or you know or um you know those right. kind of things okay so, so i, I mean, don't think yeah i'm sure there's there's got to be people there that are like making relationships though with the people and try of course there's going to be that piece yeah. of like there's, education there's from my understanding there's typically some form of social workers, right. medical health care professionals yeah. who are on site. Um, there's a lot of studies that suggest criminal punishment for those addicted to narcotics mm -hmm. is not productive. No, mm -hmm. absolutely not. We spend a lot of money in this country punishing people rather mm -hmm. than treating people in this area. Yeah. And treatment is usually an awful lot less expensive than mm – -hmm. um, pardon me – prevention mm -hmm. of – a catastrophic medical issue is typically more um, cost effective. It costs us less in the long run than emergency room visits and yeah. and treatment and those kinds yeah. of things. So, so I mean, um, what what were the, what were the answers or what? Yeah, what were I'm the? Just gonna give you yes or no. 
Okay. Well, I mean, I think yes. Okay. Because of the fact that it's, um, yeah, I think it's to be able to have someone safely do the stuff mm-hmm. rather than dangerously in- infecting themselves with other things, then it's better because, I mean, the less people in the hospitals for for this kind of stuff is better. <laughs> so that I can call 811 so, and say, are there any like, beds open for me? <laughs> I've got a cut on my arm. <laughs> cut. Um, it is, it's interesting when they have these other answers because I don't know if those were added by – like, because you can write, add your own stance. Oh, and so yeah, I don't know. Okay. But like, yeah, so it's, yes, this is necessary to re- reduce the drug overdose death rate. Yes, drug abuse should be treated as a healthcare issue, not a criminal one. No, but legalize drugs. And no, this would encourage drug use and lower funding for rehab centers. So it's just really interesting because you, you can like really be up and down. Yeah. Um. Okay. Should... This is this one's a good one. This is a good debate one. Should Canada raise taxes on the rich? Um, yes, okay. I guess. I'm not sure. I don't know. I I look at. We had a spirited debate about this in my car on the way to uh, Thanksgiving, um, because it's. It, I find it very tricky because I think yes, 100 percent. Mm-hmm. tax those rich people yeah but i also understand the worry of those rich people just being like well peace i'm gonna go to a different place that has lower taxes and so then it's like what do you balance like the jobs and the versus the money like and learning about different families let's say the like people who have not dynasties what am i thinking like there's just a like family, family called the family irvings family. out on the east coast and they like run like everything in PEI or something like that. I was listening to a podcast called The Commons, so get your facts from them. (laughs) But anyways, they are this family. And so either you or someone you know works for this family and and they've gotten so many tax breaks because they just say whenever the government comes to tax them, they're like, well, we'll just leave, which takes this many jobs out of your, you know, and I have watched a lot of Trump documentaries. I know he also (laughs) kind of does that where he's like, well, I won't. He did that in New York, right? With his hotels or something. Mm. Anyways, so... I find this one very interesting because I feel like if I had billions of dollars, I would just be like, here's some money. Just have some money. Like, I don't need a billion dollars. Why wouldn't they just pay those taxes with that money then? <laughs> so. <laughs> help us out here. I, I think this this is always an interesting one. So there's a thing called trickle-down economics. And the basic principle is if you cut taxes on wealthy people that money that they keep in their pockets, they'll invest, they'll put into their businesses, they'll create more jobs. Mm -hmm. And by creating more jobs, the gap that you've created by cutting those taxes actually is filled because more people are now paying taxes. Um, That's uh, late 70s, 80s, Ronald Reagan, Margaret Thatcher, sort of neoconservative um, economic policy. There's 30 years of data to demonstrate that does not work. Mm-hmm. And so often what happens is the the wealthiest 5%, 1% get a tax cut mm-hmm. and, and you end up in deficit situations because the difference is never found mm-hmm. or the corresponding cuts to services don't come about or whatever it might be. Um, so we have a progressive taxation system in Canada, i.e. the more you make the more you pay. Yeah. It's marginal. Did I read that 400,000 is the top? Is it kind of like everything above 400,000? I might have been that might have been uh, from somewhere else, but 
I thought I read that it was kind of like anything above a certain amount is kind of all taxed the same. So, like, maybe the brackets should be raised to the... You can play with brackets. It's And, I mean, it's all marginal, too, right? So, um, federally, you're tax-exempt up to... I think they've raised it again. You're tax-exempt up to, I think it's $18,000. Mm-hmm. Double check. Don't take my word for it. Um, Revenue Canada. But um, I think it, you're exempt up to $18,000, and then from there, you're taxed at a rate. I don't remember what the specific rates are, but there, it's marginal taxation as well, right? So your first $18,000, you are not taxed, mm-hmm. and then you're taxed at a rate of 10% till you get to $72,000. Um, and then at $72,000... That's what we make for this podcast, just so everyone knows. At 72000 that I rate wish. increases to, say, 18%. The point is, the first... Um, uh, the first amount, so at 18 or whatever is 19 to 72, yeah. is taxed at 10%. Right. Mm-hmm. 72 to 110 is taxed at 18%. The way it gets explained sometimes is if the, the tax rate's 44%, you're paying 44% tax. Right. That's not how marginal rates work, mm. right? So on every dollar between 19 and 72, you pay 10%. Okay. From 72 to the next threshold, you pay 18%. It's, it's, that means the, at $72,001, the $1 is taxed at 18%. Right. Okay. Right. And then when you get to the next bracket, so 10, every dollar up to 72, 10%. Every dollar 72 to 110 is 18%. Right. And then every dollar 110 to 200 is 23%. Right. So it's incremental and it's marginal mm. in that way. Okay, but, that makes sense. Yeah, so wealthy people in this country, I will say, wealthy people in this country do pay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy to demonize them and talk a lot about the middle class. Um, but wealthy people pay a significant amount of tax. There's a lot of loopholes mm-hmm. in our tax code for people who you know generate jobs and wealth and things like that. Yeah. Let's, wait, I plug for the commons again. There was one called corruption no there's a whole series called corruption and there's one about is it barbados or bahamas or somewhere that has that building that has like four thousand companies registered to it (laughs) when they get their tax exemptions yeah Yeah. totally people take their money offshore there's a balance that you have to strike Mm -hmm. because that does happen right Right. people move companies people move headquarters uh, you lose jobs flip side like amazon's building a big um distribution center whatever it is Mm -hmm. just outside edmonton on the way to the airport I mean, they ju- are jurisdiction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, jurisdictions, and then, well, and then jurisdictions bend over backwards to try and court these kinds yes. of things, and so they end up billionaires and multi-billion-dollar companies get huge tax incentives to set up shop somewhere. Um, and yes, it creates jobs, but a lot of times it creates sort of low-wage service jobs. Mm-hmm. They're not sort of wealth creation, wealth generation jobs. I think John Oliver just did something on Amazon. Do you watch John Oliver? Mm-hmm. So good. Didn't he just do something about Amazon warehouses and how like? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyways, and so the what you're saying, the like, competition. is it the greatest? Yeah. When you like can't go to the bathroom and you, yeah. Anyways, I got to say one more thing. Yes. So the last thing I'll say on this too is some of the wealthy people who like you say if I was a billionaire, sure, like take some money. I have plenty. <laughs> then you get into does the government spend the money? properly yeah. right does the government spend the money, the money well. thing, right? so you get folks like warren buffett or bill gates in the states and they create their own foundations yeah. donate huge sums of their wealth to their foundations 
and effectively privatize uh, privatize charitable work. Do would they, would they get tax cuts for? Uh, would they get? Yep. Okay. They would. There's tax I mean, exemptions fine. and things for charitable yeah. giving, whatever. But yeah, so there's questions too about is okay. So the government takes more of my money. How are right. they spending it? Yeah. I don't have a problem with the government taking a little bit more for me if they need to. Mm-hmm. But if it's to pay for, if it benefits, right? That's right. If it's wasteful and just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, Jack, we're probably at an hour, over an hour. Uh, close. Okay, okay. We'll zoom through some of these. Um, do 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 do. That was what was that one on? That was economic issues. So now we're on housing issues. Um, should the government impose a one percent tax on real estate owned by non-residents? By non-residents? Yes. Would this be like what is going on in Vancouver? Or is for, it... Yeah, okay. yeah. For people that come that don't... That don't necessarily live, live there, here, but, but they're own coming the to property. buy property. Right. Just to buy it up so that they can get off or, you know, do that just to make the money. Is it Canmore or Banff that also has that? Where they're like, you can't... Yeah, you, you have it? I think... Um, yeah. Well, I think you should at least be a... People that aren't living here. Like, because I know that like um, a lot of like... Um, like Asian entrepreneurs or Asian businessmen are coming here just to buy like buildings or put up land or buildings on land mm-hmm. on their on the land here, and they're just selling them like souping. Mm. Um, so if that's the case, I mean, you should have to live here. You should have to be a citizen here to be able to do that kind of. So the money comes back into here, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's that's kind of my take on it. It's the, the I, I think these questions are interesting because about so to use them to gauge kind of where you might sit in terms of who you might support politically, mm-hmm. they're interesting. There's they're super complex, nuanced issues. So it's rationally like to us just sitting here. Yeah, that makes sense. If somebody's going to buy property in Canada. Yeah. Right. Live in it. And if you don't live in it, if you're non-resident, not living in it, a tax should be placed on it. That right. makes some sense. They tried that in Vancouver, and it had a, the unintended consequence of uh, affecting Losing. people who were not wealthy, uh. um, and changing market on effects to a lot of this mm. stuff too. And that's one of the reasons where it's you know we we harp on politicians and government for not doing their jobs or being silly or wasteful or whatever, and and they are, but. This kind of stuff, like you make a decision, you don't always know. Right. There's unintended consequences. You got to give them a little slack, I think, sometimes because they're trying their best to do what's best. Right. Yeah. But that's a good example. That's a. T- so I mean, there's obviously going to be certain like parties that basically support this, and other ones that don't. The additional answers for this are all actually just talking about different taxes, right? So it's like yes, yes, and the tax should actually be at least ten yeah. percent. No, yes, tax should be five twenty. Like, and so I would assume that all the parties have different kind of right, right. ranges of mm-hmm. what they think it should be because a one percent tax much easier than a twenty percent tax oh, right <laughs> yeah. so all right we're gonna say you're i'm gonna just say yes for you sure i mean i don't i haven't been uh okay uh immigration issues this is another good mm, one um oh this one's very tricky so okay. I'm going to read it out. Should Muslim in- immigrants be banned from entering the country until the government improves its ability to screen out potential terrorists? That is a very tricky, loaded, like, it's a, to have like a yes a or a no. Yeah, just be like, yes, seems crazy. Um, 
I kind of want to hear some of these other So the answers. other answers are yes, until terrorist attacks decrease. <laughs> yes, and ban all immigration. <laughs> look, look at the dance face right now. I know. Really they, I know. I know. So that. I want to pick this one because I'm like, this is quite a question. Um, yes, and ban all immigration until the government improves its screening process. No, but we should ban immigrants from high-risk countries. No, banning immigrants based on their religion is unconstitutional. Hmm. You know, I'm going to let Dan talk first. Because I don't really... Because this, this is tough because, I mean... It's coming, so specific. It is. It is very specific, especially when it comes to, like, religion. Like, coming from a place where my parents were, you know, they're Buddhist and they're from... Uh, Thailand and it's just like so if you look at the way we look at like my background doesn't look threatening right where it's like if you get into like more like religious like backgrounds and stuff like that not everyone from that country is bad not right? anyone yeah who practices right? that religion not everyone practices religion is a terrorist and it's just it's very unfortunate that people get like judged that way so that this is even a question I know. Right? Like, yeah. So this is an issue for people because it's been stirred. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I won't pass comment on who, who has stirred this issue or not. <laughs> um, but you can figure it out pretty easy. Oh, very easy. Right? There's a particular um, side of the political spectrum that in particular likes to soak this particular fire. So the, the question... Read the question again. Should Muslim immigrants be banned from entering the country until the government improves its ability to screen out potential terrorists? Mm. So this question really pisses me off yeah. for a lot yeah. of reasons. Yeah. <laughs> so first of all, Canada's immigration system and how we screen refugees, immigrants, asylum seekers, etc. Um, we, we have one of the better systems in the world. Typically verified by CSIS, which is Canada's secret service, um, usually with support from UN agencies. Um, sometimes it's tough. Mm -hmm. A refugee coming from Syria, it's going to be mm -hmm. pretty tough to mm -hmm. download records from a database over there because they have bombed out every database. Yeah. I think, um, sorry, I was just going to say half the kids I work with, it's like birthday, January 1st. Yep. E like everyone yeah. is January 1st. So, you know, there's some, there's a very fair point to say we have a society that is typically peaceful. We want it to remain so. And therefore we want to screen, we don't, you know, we don't, we want to screen out obvious violent offenders or people um we should have a screening in place yes um but one of the answers there is yes limit them coming in until terrorist terrorist attacks decrease, decrease. so how many terrorist attacks would we have to have in canada <laughs> right before making it before <laughs> we could talk about decreasing terrorist attacks right yeah we had a really tragic incident where uh um uh an individual was radicalized uh, with ISIS propaganda and unfortunately killed a Canadian Forces officer um, at the Cenotaph mm -hmm. in Ottawa and then mm -hmm. stormed Parliament. Mm -hmm. And the guy had an old rifle and he just ran full tilt in through the front door and started popping off shots. Um, that's a very scary thing mm -hmm. and it's a tragic thing. Um, Corporal Nathan Cirillo is the guy that, that was uh, killed. Um, we had a van incident mm -hmm. in Edmonton, mm -hmm. Toronto. Yeah. We've had a, a couple incidents of some of people driving vans. Those are tragic mm -hmm. and they need to be addressed. The idea of banning uh, a specific religious group right. because mm -hmm. um, 
a small fraction of violent, yeah, violent yeah. acts carried out in Canada were carried out by people either inspired by a group that we've come to associate with right. Islam uh, wrongly in a lot of ways, I think. Uh, I think that's a, a bit absurd. Mm. And I think these questions are loaded. They're, they're what I oh, call dog, dog whistle questions yeah. to try and fire up right. or stoke um, Because you could feelings. very easily cut out the first half of this. Should should um there be a process to screen people for immigration could be the question Absolutely. on its own right like yeah. and it's like but, but let's just throw in terrorism yeah. and, well and the great news is the answer to that question is yes, yes. there should be and in yeah. fact there, there is, there is. Yeah. also we didn't have conversations about whether or not we should or shouldn't let irish people right. into the country when the uh ira right. was yeah, bombing was, out yeah. You know, when the Protestants and the Catholics were going at it in Ireland mm-hmm. and bombing. And the Queen is our head of state, by the way. Mm. So, um, you know, it's some people would make the assertion, well, you know, what the, the Islamic extremist terrorist stuff is different than that. Well, no, it was mm-hmm. a fight against the Queen and against the United Kingdom's hold on Ireland, yeah. Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have conversations about whether we should or shouldn't let Irish people into the country. Right. Right, so just think about. Sometimes there's inherent biases. Mm-hmm. Think about the biases and the media, the way media portrays things. Mm-hmm. I also think uh, people have a very hard time, um, and I certainly can't speak to this because I've never lived in another place. But it, people have a really hard time f- understanding what it's like, what it would be like to not live in Canada, to not be in a place where, uh, yeah, a, a situation where there's somebody who comes in with a gun is a national tragedy that everybody kind of stops and and thinks about where there are a lot of places in this world that that unfortunately might be a reality to them right like that is part of growing up and again i speak as from a place of ignorance i don't know i don't live anywhere else but um you know i think we've talked about this a little bit the more you get to meet people and understand where they're coming from like if i was in a country where i did not feel safe to hear somebody be like, "Why well, don't I don't know if I want them in there because of this," yeah. I would be like, "Please help me! Like I'm a human, just mm-hmm. like you're a human, right?" And and so I think that that's important for people to think about is like we are so 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 lucky yeah. um, to not have to be constantly living in in fear. Mm-hmm. And of course, I want to keep it. I would love that to keep way, it that way. I've yeah. got a kid. I want him to be safe. But that doesn't mean shutting my shutting us off to other people who are in really bad situations. And I mean, so that, this, that kind of mindset, when, when it comes to like making a decision on who I should vote for, of course, I'm going to do the research for people that if I'm thinking that there's certain people that think, oh, well, yes, we're going to make sure we prevent this kind of religion Mm -hmm. from getting in. Then, I mean, that's going to sway me away from that because I don't think it's right for people to base someone's religion on the whether or not they can live in our country or not. Right. Right? That's another thing I should, I should just add. If anybody's doing this quiz, which this is coming out on Sunday, the day before the election, so do this quiz. But when you pick, you can also kind of weight your answers. So um, it says, how important is this to you? So least, less, somewhat, oh, okay. more, and that's most. Cool. And I think that that's also a really interesting feature because if you're answering yes to two things, mm-hmm. it just gives a different weight. Right. We're not doing it because we can't add any more to this. Yeah. But um, yeah. Okay. okay. Interesting. Okay, I'm going to just put 
No, right? Okay. Um, Again, another one that I want to learn about a little bit, but we don't have to get too far into. I understand a little bit about what sanctuary cities are. Um, The question is, should sanctuary cities receive federal funding? So I don't quite understand the difference. So sanctuary is like a city who says, we're going to do this regardless of what the rest of the country is doing. Is that my... So a sanctuary city is a city that makes a commitment to servicing the people that live in that city regardless of status. Ah, okay. So um, this is particularly important in the United States right now, for example. But Rahm Emanuel, who's the former mayor of Chicago, um, Mm -hmm. I I believe he did or his immediate predecessor did and he committed to continue. But Chicago became a sanctuary Mm -hmm. city. President Trump got elected and basically went on a rant about taking funding away from sanctuary cities and they're giving harbor to fugitives and this out or the other. Sanctuary city, um, whether so again, this is American politics. We don't have the same issue necessarily that the Americans have, but it's 11 million people in the United States estimated to be living there without papers illegally. Um, They go to jobs, they pick avocados, they pick up day work, whatever. Um, And so the commitment of a sanction, um, if this individual requires assistance and Mm -hmm. an authority um, comes into contact with them, they're not necessarily... Uh, they, they don't have to be afraid that going to a clinic or going to the police because they're being abused Harassed or targeted or, yeah. or whatever. They don't have to be worried that their status will open up a big. Yes. Gotcha. Interesting. We can skip that one. We can skip that yeah, one. Yeah, let's do that. I just want to learn about it. Edmonton, Edmonton, I think, did declare that we're a sanctuary city. Um, there's some, there's different implications. because It's a, just a dis- different system mm-hmm. altogether up here. Mm-hmm. But I think it's. From my perspective, I think making the declaration, regardless of whether it's totally relevant or not, says something about the community. Right. Makes sense. Um, Yeah, we're. You want how many more questions do we? We're gonna do a couple more. Where do we have an hour exactly? Um, Hour and ten minutes. What? Okay. Well, there's still a thousand questions. (laughs) Um, Let me pick some of my favorite ones. (laughs) Let me find. uh, No, we're not gonna do that one. Um, we're, we're just going to skip over everything about social issues. Okay. I'm just going to say we support all humans. Okay. okay. Humans can love whoever they want. Humans. Wise though. <laughs> um, okay. Transportation issues. I'm skipping over these. Foreign policy issues. So right away there's, should Canada accept refugees from Syria? This? Yes. Yes, please. Yes. Yes, please. And I think this one also has like um it has numbers and then it has like yes but only accept families no signal single muslim men should canada have accepted jews from europe in the 1940s as refugees yes we won't get into whether they did or not because that's also a shameful shameful thing Mm -hmm. that many countries turn those people away right but the point is if you thought about it today based on everything you learned in social studies Mm -hmm. from grades 1 to 12 about the holocaust Mm -hmm. if that was going on today and they said, hey, should we let Jewish refugees from Europe into right. Canada? What would the answer be? Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. And I think part of the problem with issues like the Syria issue is people don't actually recognize and right. understand. It is the largest humanitarian crisis since the Holocaust mm-hmm. uh, in terms of refugee movement and whatnot. And it's absolutely horrifying what's happening there. We um... – what was it? A couple of years ago, when the when we ha- we started getting, because I know Trudeau was in power then, mm-hmm. um, and our agency was um, 
so kids would so the families would come they would they would come to Canada and then they would get put in these hotels and and the workers would all um the workers from you know different um settlement agencies would come in and so one of the things that we partnered with them by we took the kids to our clubs so that the kids could be like and it was just phenomenal because we we tried to find people that could speak the language and but kids are also kids and so you run around in a gym and the kids are like they have a universal language of (laughs) just running and it was was snowing so there was like snow and it just was really um special because then they'd start getting placed into their homes and so it was like it was so great to see them like like it was like fun to watch them leave because it meant that they got like settled somewhere Mm -hmm. and and anyways I just think about those kids. At the same time, letting them just be kids, right? Right. Allowing them just play with other kids right. without the dangers of knowing, like being like scared of doing things that might hurt, get them hurt, right? Like mm-hmm. just living your everyday life without the fear of hurt, getting hurt. Yeah. Sh- um, independent schools. Is independent schools like private Catholic schools. school? Or, okay, so it's specifically private school. Yeah. Or is it Catholic school as well? Well, Catholic schools are it's the separate Catholic schools are in the separate school system it's still yeah. publicly funded oh okay. okay so independent schools are in theory private schools although most private schools you'll all be shocked to learn get a huge portion of funding from the government mm. it's not like the states where you pay a hundred thousand dollars a year in tuition and it's a totally private institution there's still they still benefit from funding from the government really yeah <laughs> I don't know any independent schools is there any in Edmonton uh I think there's a few there's a Progressive few private Academy? charter schools okay. in and around. We're skipping over this. It Oh, it knows that I'm in Sherwood Park. This Creepy. quiz. I know. Um, <laughs> case, yeah, right now. <laughs> it's like pool division, Sherwood Park 153-1. Is that what yours says? Wait, maybe I shouldn't read that out. Jack does not uh, live there. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. Um, so it says like if if you had to vote today... Yeah. What would you like? Who would you vote for if you had to vote on the prime minister? Who would you vote for? Um, okay, this is the last one. Okay. Which qualities are most important to you in a candidate? So I'm going to read them off. You say yes or no. Okay. Effectiveness. Yes. Consistency. Yes. Intelligence. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to put it because you wavered. Leadership. Yes. Electability. Yes. Uh, communication. Absolutely. Common sense. Yes. Vision. Yes. Honesty. Yes. Integrity. <laughs> yes. Is this is there a s- uh determination? Yes. Commitment. Yes. Morality. Yes. Transparency. Yes. What are the other stances? <laughs> oh gosh. Is there something I mean? There's other stances. Creativity, humility, patience, blah blah whatever. I'm not we're These not. It all sounds like them. traits that should be good for like a good person that yes. should be in power. <laughs> Although you interestingly decided intelligence wasn't a priority for <laughs> well, you. Well, I mean the fa- <laughs> define intelligence though. Like intelligence as in like they know a lot about like like I find like and this is this is just coming from someone who I don't feel is very smart. I'm not a very intelligent person. Like book smart wise, but like street smart, like you give me like like I can I can take it apart an engine in like a day's like a, like half a day, right? Mm-hmm. See, it's that, like, that to me that's intelligence. Okay, that's like yeah. you, the, your capacity to think right. and learn and make decisions, mm-hmm. whatever. See, it has nothing to do with uh, you know I read all the books they gave me in university. Yeah, and that's that's the kind of like when I hear intelligence, it's it's a different kind of. Um, it's kind to, of to different word, people, yeah. Right? To different people, it's it, it defined. It's defined differently. Like, like I said, I don't find myself very intelligent. 
like I can I can like tough on yourself. <laughs> but because because like there when I think of intelligence, I think of like me? genius oh, people. Yeah. Like, okay. So people me. that yes yes just like, <laughs> just like wow. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks everyone. Wow. <laughs> so people people that I think that should be going to like that should be astronauts or doctors, right? Like people that can get sure. through. Like that's in my definition are intelligent people because they can hold a lot of information in their brain. I need to do things to be able to do that, you know, so, yeah. Um, we didn't answer enough questions to get a result. I'm going to guess you're somewhere on the left. I would guess you're somewhere between NDP and liberal is my guesstimate. But I think you should take the, the test, I, the yeah, full test. And and, yeah, I will. Yeah. Um, just so we people know, what's, what's the website again? Um, Come on now. I have to shut my phone. <laughs> I'll find it. Give me one second. I'm going to give a shout out for my new favorite political show. It's my favorite show. I'm off work, so I'll, I got time to watch shows. <laughs> okay. Uh, Veep. Do you watch Veep? Yes. The greatest show I've ever seen. So I get asked a lot uh, about like House of Cards comes out or The West Wing or Veep mm -hmm. or whatever. People are like, oh, man, politics. It's like is working politics like what's it? It's like House of Cards yeah. or The West Wing. No. It's Veep. <laughs> Veep is – It's what Veep, Veep is – like it's absurd, obviously, but Veep is the closest thing to what that kind of political hack life actually uh, okay. looks just, like. Everything's always like something happens, but like, and everyone's like incompetent, but like competent in their own ways. <laughs> it is. It's one of the funniest shows I've ever seen, and Julie Julia Louis Dreyfus yeah. is one of the funniest, most flawed, but. Mo I keep I, I want to say like mean, but she's like biting. Like it's hard to describe her. She's just like so cutthroat, mm -hmm. but like hilarious. Right. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I recommend everyone watch Beat. So I'm gonna give a shout out to my favorite election website, election uh, elections.ca, which is Elections Canada. Okay. Elections Canada's website. Okay. <laughs> and the reason I'm giving that a shout out is you can go on there and find with your postal code the writing you live in, who the candidates are, uh, yes, okay. some basic information on the people who are running. Right. So but this is the kind of research I need to do to really make a decision right. on what's totally. the proper. And you don't need to become an expert in how we govern ourselves or parliamentary procedure or you don't need to become experts in that stuff. Go online, spend a half an hour, 45 minutes, read a little bit about the people, figure out who's running, yeah. read a little bit about the people who are the candidates, read a little bit about the parties mm -hmm. that the candidates represent, and then don't get bogged down in strategic voting or this thing or that. Mm -hmm. Just What do you believe in? Right. Who best represents those views? Also, what the Elections Canada website will tell you is do not – Take a selfie in the voting booth. Do not take a do selfie. Do not the take. Booth. If you go to their Twitter, that is like their daily reminder. Like, do not do it. It is like a fine of, you can be fined and you can get jail time. Like, it's like a, it's like it's a, a big, big thing. You yeah, can't yeah. take a damn selfie <laughs> in the voting station. But speaking of selfies, it makes me think immediately of millennials and Gen Z. Right. Right. But here's the deal. A lot of people talk about, uh, you know, crazy millennials, entitled millennials. Millennials don't vote. This that. Right. Millennials, elder millennials are now almost 40. They have kids. We have houses. Yeah. We pay taxes. Mm -hmm. And we are now the largest voting demographic. I love it. Bigger than baby. Mm -hmm. If millennials show up and bloody vote, yeah. if climate change is important to you, if job deals go and vote, yeah. we can change the country. Mm. No, it is. So vote. vote. So go vote. And if you want to check out this website or this quiz, it's Canada.ic. Or sorry, Canada.ic. 
Sometimes I have to quit. Okay. Yes. Canada.isidewith.com. Okay. Perfect. I wanted to say is. Canada.isidewith.com. <laughs> <laughs> right, that was that's an awesome. extra long podcast. Yeah, that's pretty long possible. But it's, it's a necessity. Yeah, and we, all, we both learned a lot. You have until what? Um, 8 p.m. local time? Um, on 7.30 p.m. Yeah, 7.30 p.m. 7 a.m. to 7.30 is the voting okay. times. Um, Dan, thank you so much yeah, for uh, Dan, being on our podcast. Best. My you pleasure. Us lots. So much. Do you want to come on any other ones? You can teach us about anything else. <laughs> Do you have any other expertise, areas of expertise? Uh, uh, like, I don't know, Star Trek? Mm, all right. We'll get Lindsay on that one, too. <laughs> yeah. <We'll Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Awesome, guys. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Go learn lots. Remember, you can interact with us on uh, Facebook. Instagram, Twitter. <laughs> You're so active. <laughs> what your thoughts are on our podcast today. All right. We'll chat next time.